Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 23 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I know that you are going to relate to today's guest so much and not because you're an elite athlete like her, maybe you are, but you definitely will because you've probably dealt with or are dealing with a lot of the same internal battles that she has. Today, we're hanging out with Victoria Garrick, who is a senior volleyball star at the University of Southern California. And not only is she a four-year Division I starter, team captain, two-time NCAA Elite Eight contender and 2015 Pac-12 champion, aka a total badass on the court. She is also an advocate for mental health and body image struggles in athletes and young women all over the world. Through her own struggles with depression, disordered eating, and body image, she has learned how to rise up and reach her goals no matter what it takes. Victoria is even a TEDx speaker, and her talk, Athletes and Mental Health, The Hidden Opponent, has led to tons of media exposure and opportunities for her to shed light on the internal battles that many athletes and actually just young adults in general are facing today. Whether you're an elite athlete or just work out for fun, I know that you'll relate so much to Victoria's stories and wisdom around chasing goals, persevering, overcoming bad body image, and picking yourself up when it feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. We've all been there. I know that you're going to love this interview with her, but first, let's do the review of the week. This one is from Emily Minich, who said, loving this. I just discovered this podcast a few weeks ago, and I'm absolutely loving it. I'm in college and still trying to figure out a balance to work on my school slash work slash fitness goals, and it's so great to hear all of the stories and advice Marie and her guests have to share. Well, Emily, thank you so much for your kind words, and I'm super happy that you found us in our little corner of the podcast world, and it just means the world to me that this show can be a guiding light for you. And while I definitely don't have it all figured out, I'll be the first to say that I will always do my very best to show up and serve you with all of the empowering and educating messages I possibly can. Thank you again for being here, Emily. I really appreciate you. If you would like to be featured as the review of the week, head on over to iTunes on your computer or the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone, search for the show and scroll down to leave it a rating and a review. It only takes a minute, but it means the absolute world to me and totally makes my day. So if you do so, go ahead and send me a DM on Instagram with a screenshot of your review and I will send you a free copy of my ebook called Flexible Dieting Made Simple, which will help you figure out how to find balance with food as a little thank you. My Instagram username, if you don't know, is at Marie E. Wold, W-O-L-D. So just shoot me a DM along with that screenshot of your review, along with your email as well. And I will get that ebook sent right over to you as a little thank you. I can't believe that it's finally here. And honestly, it feels a little bit like you're seeing me naked for the first time. Seriously, though. And that's because I have put my entire heart and soul into the Move Nourish Shine Collective. And it's finally open for you to learn about and sign up for. 
everything I've gone through, everything I've learned and everything I've taught others has led up to this. Even when this wasn't even a fully formed idea in my head, I knew that I was going in this direction. And it feels like I've taken the most precious and vulnerable parts of myself and wrapped them up in this little sunflower patterned bow for you and just handing it over. And it's scary. But despite the fear and the insane amount of work I knew would go into this, I also knew that I had to create it and I had to bring it to life because I knew that this was what so many women have been looking for. And how do I know that so many women have been looking for this? Because I've been there and I wish that something like this existed for me. I have been the girl who said no to social events because I didn't feel confident. I've been the girl who turned down dinner with friends because I didn't want to cheat on my perfect diet. I've been the girl who showed up at the gym every day for way too much cardio fueled by insecurity and just self-loathing. I've been the girl who thought all of my problems would be solved if I just lost the weight. Then I would finally be confident not true, by the way. I've been the girl who didn't reach her potential because she was so consumed with thoughts about food and her body. And I've been the girl who just couldn't seem to find my shine. And I've been her, but I'm not her anymore. I have found my shine and it's the best feeling ever. And now it's really my life's mission to help other women find theirs too. And listen, if I can find my shine and I can coach hundreds of other women to find theirs, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that you can too. Not only can you shine, you deserve to shine because you are here on this earth for so much more than stressing over food and your body. So this is your official invitation, my friend. And if you've been looking for a sign, this is it. This is your chance to be among the first to join the Move Nur Shine Collective and commit to creating a future of confidence, connectedness, and a crazy bright shine that is uniquely your own. Trust me when I say that I know where you're at right now and I know exactly how to get you where you want to go. I walked that road alone so that you don't have to. So if you're ready to become a part of the Move Nur Shine Collective, I would love to have you. Or if you just want to learn more, go to movenourishshine.com and that will explain everything. But you also know where to find me. If you still have questions, you can shoot me an email or send me a DM on Instagram at Marie E. Wold. And again, the website to check it out is movenourishshine.com. Early enrollment is open right Right now, and we'll be starting as a group on December 3rd. So I hope to see you inside. Hey, Victoria, thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I feel like I could immediately connect with you as soon as I found your Instagram and your TED Talk because we have a somewhat similar volleyball background and have had extremely similar struggles with mental health and body image and all that stuff. But beyond that, I honestly don't know too, too much about your general background. So for myself and for our listeners, can you fill us in on how your life has kind of unfolded up until now, particularly in sports and mental health and self-love? Of course. Yeah. Let me give you just a brief background. I played volleyball starting in eighth grade and I was like a multi-sport athlete, but you know, I just club took over. And before I knew it, I was, you know, a senior and I was like, oh my gosh, the only sport I play is volleyball. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't really a choice. It was just the one I loved the most and I stuck to it. And long story short, I wasn't a top recruit. I wasn't one of those girls that 
was getting called by these insane division one schools when I was 16, 17, even like I was athletic and I was on really good teams, but I, for some reason, I wasn't that star player that coaches thought was good, Mm -hmm. but I knew that, you know, I could be that good. I knew I was coachable. I knew I was determined. And so what happened with USC was they were like my dream school ever since I visited it my sophomore year. And I emailed and I called and I went to the camps and I basically was like, I want to be on this team so bad. I will walk on. You don't have to pay for me. You know, and if I get there and I'm not good enough, cut me, whatever, but just give me a chance. And so long story short, I ended up getting into school here. I was a recruited walk on. So I was on the team and I started as a true freshman Wow! and of the five in that recruiting class, I was the worst. And now as a senior, I am the only one remaining on the team. Wow. So it's been a pretty crazy journey. And I look back and I think of all the things that discouraged me. You know, another Pac-12 school actually said no to me. And so it's just interesting how like a school will say no and then USC will say yes. Or, you know, when we're being recruited, everyone's thinking these other four girls are so good. And then now I'm a senior and those girls aren't on the team for various reasons, whether it was cuts, Mm -hmm. ineligibility, transferring, whatever it is. And so it's crazy. But I think the message to me was how you feel about yourself. And if you think you can do something, you can. And people might say no, but there's other ways. There's other routes. There's persistency, all of that. So that's kind of my background with volleyball. Yeah. So as far as like the mindset of, you know, it's up to you, like you can achieve whatever you want as long as you believe that you can do it and are able to be tenacious enough to like find a way. Has that always been kind of an innate mindset or an innate quality in you or has that developed throughout your life? I really think I get that quality from my mom. She always told me, make it happen. And even in like smaller situations, just with like my dad, you know, parents bickering, my mom's like, I told you to like get this and this, just do it. Like, you know, just make it happen. And so my mom was always just like, that was her mentality. And if we were in line for something and the store wasn't opening on time, you know, she wasn't going to sit there and wait around. She was going to go knock on the door and say, it's six o'clock, open the doors. Like (laughs) she was just that kind of woman. Yeah. And she wasn't an athlete, but I just kind of adapted that mentality and kind of put it into my life. And so pretty much with everything in life, I'm like, if I want it, I can make it happen. And obviously, as I'm getting older, there are things you can't make happen. There are incontrollables, there are other people making decisions, and it might not be in your favor. But I've learned to still firmly believe that I will be relentless in the pursuit of what it is I want to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I will do all I can in my power to try to make what I want happen, happen. And so, yeah, that's what happened with volleyball. And then, you know, getting on the team, it's not over. Every single year I've had to compete with girls on the team in my position who want to play. You know, the year after I joined my team, they recruited another libero and then another one. And so every year it's been holding my ground, beating out competition, staying consistent. And so it's been a battle and it's been that same thing I come back to as if I really want it you know, I'm going to keep my spot. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, I don't think people quite understand how much sports lessons and metaphors translate into day to day life. Like I always go back to lessons that I've learned in sports and in fitness and all of that stuff. So I would say like standing your ground and just earning your spot and knowing that you did everything in your power to make it happen is one of the most powerful lessons that probably both of us have ever gotten from volleyball. Totally. And it definitely applies to real life because 
you know, if you want this promotion, are you doing absolutely everything in your control to dominate the role you're in now to be so good at it? That they're like, this person's too good for this role. We need to promote them. We need to transfer them to this bigger branch mm-hmm. or, you know, in your relationships in life, if they're not satisfying you, like, are you communicating with those people enough? Are you being honest? Are you being confrontational? Are you calling? Like, are you showing you care? So mm-hmm. we have a choice. Are we going to be the victim and say this and this happened and now this is my situation? Or are you going to say, okay, I've been dealt these cards. Now I'm making my next move. Yeah. And so that's a choice that we can make. And I learned that through my college years because as you know, I went through depression my sophomore year. And I'm sure people who are listening can catch on to my personality. It's I'm like outgoing, I'm confident, I'm that kind of person. And so for me to experience depression was something was really hard for me to grasp. And also I didn't really empathize with mental health before I had experienced it. When I was a high schooler, I didn't understand. I had that mentality of, you know, just be happy, just do what you want. And when you experience depression, it's not that simple. Right. And you can't control how you're feeling. You can't control not wanting to see the bright side or get out of bed in the morning. It's just really hard. And so when I went through that time, it really made me think, wow, this is such a serious issue. And people I don't know probably feel the same way as me. And and it's really hard to want to seek help and want to talk about it. And so when I went through it, that confidence and that outgoingness still stayed with me. So I wasn't hiding my depression. I was outwardly saying, I'm depressed. I'm feeling these things. I want to explore them and figure out what's up with me. Mm -hmm. So that's how I came to talk about mental health on my social media and also give the TED Talk because I thought so many people probably feel the same way. They feel this dark cloud of depression or this crippling anxiety, but they don't know how to talk about it publicly. And that was something I thought I could do is talk about it publicly and hopefully try to defeat the stigma by being so confident in my mental health issues. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my approach to publicizing what I was going through only in hopes that it would resonate with someone else. Yeah. So you talked a ton about mental health and like the life of a student athlete in your TED Talk. And I think a lot of people probably had no idea like what your schedule is like, what your expectations are like. Because I mean, I played division three volleyball, like no chance of a scholarship, supposedly a lot more of a balanced lifestyle. But I found my college schedule to be like very similar to yours in terms of volleyball is like a full time job. It's going to interfere with sports. It's going to have a lot of commitments outside of practice. It's an insane schedule. And there's so much pressure on you, especially as a starting player who's always fighting for her spot, especially as an underdog. So can you give us a little bit of like a summary of your TED Talk? And then like, also, I really liked how you walked through your calendar in your TED Talk. So can you tell us about the talk and then like what a typical day in your life would look like during volleyball season? Definitely. So my talk was just about my experience with mental health, what I used to think of it, how I initially first started noticing the symptoms of anxiety and depression, and then, you know, how I overcame it and kind of just talking about this lifestyle the student athlete lives that I thought the majority of people didn't know we lived. You think, oh my gosh, you go to this amazing school and you play in these amazing arenas and you have all these fans and you get all this free gear, but no amount of free gear is going to take away the feeling I have inside, the pain I'm feeling, dealing with this crazy life. Mm -hmm. So that was what I was talking about. And 
you say, like, can you shed light on what it's like to, you know, battle every day and have those pressures? And it's just really hard. And I look back on even this past double days as a senior and it was really hard. We had a new coach, so it's a clean slate. They don't care what you've done. They don't care what your rep is, who the other coaches lineup was. It's a new coach. Prove yourself, mm. you know, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, it doesn't matter. So I basically had to really dig deep and fight again this year for everything I'd been fighting for the past three years, one more time. And I remember, you know, crying because I was really stressed at night and wondering, you know, what if I'm a senior and I'm not playing or I'm a senior and, you know, I wasn't as good as I was my junior, my sophomore year. And those were things I had to battle with and going to practice and just trusting that I'm going to play the way I know to play. And what happens is going to happen. But once again, I'm going to be absolutely in control of what I can control and dominating that. Because if I can do that, hopefully I know it's going to get me what I want. And if it doesn't, I'm at least going to sleep at night saying I did everything I could in my power. Yeah. In season, it's pretty demanding. We have about 16 to 18 units of class, which often means probably four to five days a week you have class. And that class also has to be around your practice block, which is from two o'clock to 5.30. And that's not even including getting here at 1.30 to tape and get lunch and start getting ready for practice and change. And then at practice ends at 5.30 and you're probably stretching after and you have to go shower. So realistically, it's like one to six during your day is dedicated to the sport. And then before one, you have class and after six, you have class. And then you have exams and you have office hours and you have maintaining a social life. And if you have a terrible morning, you have to walk into the gym and you have to play well, because if you don't, that other person is going to take your spot or the coach is going to pull you. And it's definitely really, really stressful and really demanding. And I've just learned how to handle my emotions and manage that. Just last night, I had a bad practice. It was rough for me. As someone who talks about optimism and mental health and gratitude and empathy, I will put pressure on myself to not have a bad day or Victoria, you can't be sad or feel anxious because you talk about it on social media and you advise people on how to overcome that. Mm -hmm. So I almost feel like I don't have a right to experience those things. But then I remind myself, I'm not saying I'm perfect at these things. I'm saying we all experience these setbacks and these difficulties. And here's ways that when I have a good day and I can't control it, this is how I battle it. Mm -hmm. And so yesterday I had a rough practice and for whatever reason, I couldn't kind of figure out a way to own the drill that was going on. And it was really hard for me. And after practice, you know, I felt like I wanted to cry. Yeah. I reminded myself, no, I'm not going to cry. That's not going to do anything for me. This was a rough practice rather than having the mindset of, oh my gosh, I'm not perfect all the time. Oh my gosh, I suck. I wonder if my teammates think this. I wonder what my coaches think this. I was like, you know what? I'm human. Practice was really hard for me today. I played great the first three days. This is going to happen. It's almost inevitable to have one day where you're off. Mm -hmm. And I took my shower and kind of just did some deep breathing, refocusing and said, I'm not going to let this affect my night. I'm going to go to my class. I'm going to go to dinner. I'm going to see my roommates tonight. And this is just a small aspect of my day-to-day, but it's not going to define how I'm going to feel moving forward. And that kind of awareness has been the reason I haven't fallen back into a depression or a bad spurt with my anxiety because I've learned tools to have inner dialogue that can gear me on a better path 
Whereas before I didn't have those tools and that voice would go in my head and my night would have been terrible and I might have cried again at home and then I wouldn't have wanted to wake up the next day. So it's figuring out how best to navigate the inner workings of your mind in those tough moments. Yeah, like how to just stop the spiral. (laughs) I think that talking about tools and like knowing how to manage those things and like manage the potential spiral is so important. And I actually just read a CNN article yesterday where they had surveyed like hundreds of young adults in Generation Z, which I think is ages like 6 to 21. They said they were young adults. So I'm pretty sure it's people like the higher end of that. But only half of the respondents said that they felt like they were managed their stress properly. So half the respondents felt like they weren't managing their stress properly. And then in that group, like most of them openly struggle with mental health. And so with you, like not everyone's going to be able to relate to you being an elite athlete, but like many people can relate to struggling with mental health, as you know. So what common threads do you see between like your life and people who aren't elite athletes, but might struggle with the same things as you do? Well, that's a great question, because I think about the anxiety I have with my performance and on my team. And that anxiety is things like, you know, did my teammates think I'm good enough? Was that pass good enough? What is my coach thinking right now while I'm playing in the game? You know, is the other team knowing that I'm feeling this way and are they going to serve me? Those are things I experience with my anxiety and it's terrible. And my escape is my regular life. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to my best friend the other day and I thought, oh my gosh, I can't imagine a person who feels that anxiety and that dialogue in their everyday life with their friends, with their family, in the classroom. And so I think we're all the same. If you experience anxiety, it's different for everyone, but it's that same feeling that you're not in control of your thoughts and the fears and dialogue. And to imagine that, like you said in the survey, so many of these people feel that way in their everyday lives and they don't have to be athletes to feel the same way I'm feeling. It might just be about different things. So it's definitely something that everyone who's experienced it, it's for whatever that situation in their life is that's causing them the anxiousness. And the stress management part of it, I think it's just kind of crazy how many responsibilities and things and pressures we have right now in life for this generation. Mm-hmm. My mom always tell me, Victoria, when I was your age, I was waitressing at the Hard Rock Cafe in the summer. I barely got into college. We didn't have SATs. I didn't have a resume. And she's like, and I did fine. And I'm a great mom and we have this great life. Like just to take these pressures off yourself and know that you're going to be okay. It's okay to get a B or a C on an assignment. Yeah. It's okay to say, I'm not doing my homework tonight. I'm going to go paint my nails and I'm going to go to the movies with my friend. You have to make decisions like that for the betterment of your mental health. You just can't be perfect in school and in your sport and in your workout class and with your family and in this relationship. And if you do all those things perfectly, you know what you're not doing perfect? Treating yourself right. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the most important thing that will make all those other things great. Even just the other night, my friend was studying for an exam and she's so stressed. And I was like, let's go get ice cream. And she was like, I can't go get ice cream right now. And I was like, yes, you can. We can go for 20 minutes. It's not going to kill you. I mean, that's probably going to be 20 minutes that you're sitting at your computer freaking out about failing the test. <laughs> yeah. So let's go spend it getting some cookie dough. And so we went and it was just a great like stress release for her. And then she ended up saying she did great on the test. So it's just kind of knowing you're going to be okay no matter what. I always would remind myself, you know, I didn't kill anyone. I am not on a public platform, like 
getting targeted by millions of humans. I'm not going to jail. You know, what's the worst case scenario? I get a bad grade on this exam. Right. And then what? And then I'm still me. My parents still love me. I still can, you know, wake up the next day and go anywhere I want in this world. So it's just like, what is it that is causing you the stress? And then you think about it and you realize it's not as big as I'm making it seem. Yeah. I always use the phrase, it's not that serious. And I tell myself that probably like at least 10 times a day because I'm like you where I like want to power through everything. I want to do everything to the best of my ability. And like, if things aren't going my way, I take that to heart. Like if I get 98% on an exam, I'm like, okay, what question did I miss? Why did I miss it? Come on. Like this is dumb. And so I can totally relate to that where it's just like you hold yourself to such a high standard that molehills become mountains. Right. And I think self-love comes into play here because we have all of these standards in all aspects of our life. In school, can you get 100%? Can you get an A? That is the system you are catering to. You know, in life, in social media, can you be skinny? Can you be a size four? Can you have the perfect contour and the biggest lips? Like that is the standard. And if you're not that, you're not perfect. And then, you know, in your relationships, can you be this? Can you be that? And so it's just having this utmost belief and like love for yourself that if you don't reach those standards, it doesn't mean shit. Mm -hmm. Like you can still be perfect. You can still be you. And being the most you you can be is perfection. If you're trying to achieve the standard of someone else or this grade from this professor who doesn't really matter, you're putting your worth aside. And that's something that has helped me not stress about school is I know that no matter what grade I get in this class, no matter if my GPA is lower than it was last semester, it doesn't matter. I know who I am at my core. I know I have good morals. I'm a good human. I have good intentions. So what? I didn't get an A. I didn't get a B. I tried. You know, I had to prioritize other things. So it's just like being compassionate and empathetic with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I often will do meditations geared towards compassion because like you said, you tell yourself, oh, I didn't get 100. I got a 98. And you pick on yourself or, oh, I ate this food and I was on a diet. And then you start hating on yourself. And it's like, can you be compassionate? You're a human being. You're going to make mistakes. The way we would talk and cater and treat a best friend is often so different than the way we treat ourselves. Right. So just imagine if your best friend was in the situation you're in, what would you be telling them? And then are you telling those things to yourself? Yeah, that is so, so powerful and so important. And I think we don't treat ourselves the way we would treat someone that we really, really loved. Like if you think about how you talk to your parents or your best friend or your sister or whatever, like you wouldn't talk to them the way you talk to yourself. And just the first time I like discovered that concept, my mind was blown because I was like, wow, I would not be my friend, you know, like if I could walk away out of my head, I would. And so self-compassion, that self-love is such a huge topic, especially for women, especially for people in our generation. And on the topic of like self-love and compassion, let's talk about body image because I know that's another topic that you're super passionate about and have struggled with and overcome. So what's been your story in that area? When it comes to body image with me, I think... I experienced my first issues with Instagram and especially coming to USC, it's just notorious for beautiful blonde girls. And so when I got here, 
I was, I felt like I was in competition. Am I as pretty? Am I someone the guys at the bars are going to think is pretty enough and skinny enough? And it was really hard for me because I was trying to maintain this body for my sport and this body for my social life. And my Instagram just became this fake feed of my happiest moments and my tannest moments and my whitest teeth moments. And it just didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And I often, you know, would think you go home and you take a picture with your family, but it's not Insta worthy and it's not going to get a bunch of likes. So you don't post it when really that's the best memory of my weekend. Instead, I post the picture of the outfit that took me two hours crying for 10 minutes, like 30 minutes of makeup and then like 70 jillion pictures to take to post the one picture and say like going out tonight. Right. And just portraying this fake thing. And so honestly, my brothers were huge in helping me shift my view because I love and respect them so much. And they'd see me taking a photo shoot, as they'd like to call it, in my bikini or, you know, being stressed out about the pictures before leaving the house. And they're like, why? Why do you do this? You know, what is it getting you? And I'm like, well, I'm going to get a lot of likes and comments. And they're like, well, what are the likes and comments giving you? And they asked me seriously. They were not teasing me. My brother looked me in the eye and said, so what? And I didn't have an answer. Yeah. I thought, man, it's giving me nothing. And why am I giving these people power to tell me if I can love myself? Right. And I thought, I don't want to be that person. So I just completely changed. And it was in the course of like a week, my view was different. I ended up posting this one picture I had been saving, this bikini picture. And I felt like a phony. I got likes and I got comments, but I didn't feel good about it the way I used to have this weird feeling of, yeah, I'm getting all this attention. Yeah. Like validation. Yeah. I thought, man, this isn't me and I'm getting likes and comments for not being me. And I don't like that. And so I deleted it. The next picture I posted was a picture of my lovely Yaya is what I call her because I'm Greek. My grandma, a picture of her face drinking a pina colada because I loved her so much and staring at her that day was making me so happy. I thought I want to share this moment with no filter you know, it's not Insta worthy by anyone's standards, but this is the best thing happening to me today. And I posted it and I just felt really good. And from then on, I have done that with my feed. Um, I make sure to post real pictures and real moments that are not edited and they're not filtered. And something I've been adding in is doing these like side by sides of how I maybe would have edited a picture. So what the picture looks like now, uh-huh. because Facetune and all these editing apps are literally at our fingertips. And it would take me 10 seconds to make myself look skinnier and happier in a picture. And it's so easy and it's so addicting for so many girls out there. So I hope that by posting those side by sides, that it can remind them how crazy it is that we're doing that to ourselves. We're literally changing the way we look, you know, on our phones and then sending that to people and claiming it's how we look when it's not. Yeah. It's so crazy to me because I'm in the social media world. Like I'm on Instagram every single day. It's part of my job. I'm an influencer. Like I know how all these apps work and all those things. Yet I still, even knowing all that stuff, I still fall into the comparison trap. I still compare myself to girls who don't even look like their Instagram photos. You know, like I'm still susceptible to this like comparison trap. And so I'm curious what your thoughts are on how we can like do better and be better as a society and as women to embrace real bodies and like support 
realness. I totally know how you feel. I mean, even trying to develop any kind of brand on social, you're looking at other girls for inspiration. What are they doing? What are their followers like? You know, is there something I can learn from this account? And then you end up saying, oh my gosh, this person does this and there's no room for me and I'm never going to be successful. And you find ways to tell yourself you're not good enough or someone's better than you. Mm -hmm. And when that happens for me, and, and of course it still happens, I just try to remind myself that person's not me. And in that moment, I try to think of the amazing things in my life I'm grateful for that are unique to my life. So one, I'm just reminding myself of the blessings I have and you know that I can't take those for granted after scrolling someone else's Instagram for 10 minutes. And then also everyone goes through tough times. All humanity is suffering. You never know what anyone is going through. And I look at these people on Instagram or these people who you think have these great lives, and I promise you they're going through something tough or something is not perfect in their life. I can think of things in my life that are so not perfect and they will never be public because that's how much it hurts me. But no one knows. And I think, you know, everyone in life has dealt with loss. Think of it as losing a loved one. Your professor, who you think is so heartless and mean, someone in their life has died and they've cried before. You know, this girl that we think is so pretty and perfect on Instagram, I'm sure a guy has rejected her and she's cried. Mm -hmm. And so it's just reminding yourself that everyone is human. Like Kendall Jenner poops every day. (laughs) I mean, it's like we forget that they're human. And so it's just reminding yourself that what you're looking at is a highlight reel. Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally with you. And the fact that like I'm super authentic and vulnerable on social media in terms of like being open about my insecurities and things like that. But like no one really knows what's going on behind the scenes still. Like I'd say I'm one of the more authentic and open and vulnerable people on the gram, but there's still so much that people don't know. So like the people that aren't even being upfront about anything, you literally know nothing about their lives. But for some reason, our brains like automatically fill in this imaginary fantasy world of theirs where like their life is so easy and they like eat lots of pizza and stay skinny and they have the best boyfriend and they have an amazing family. Like we just build up their lives when in reality we know nothing about them. Like it's so curated. It's so selective. We know nothing. Yeah. And I was talking about this with my friend the other day. You look at like Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato and Justin Bieber and we think they're living the dream. When I was little, I dreamed of like the color Disney thing. I would draw with my wand when I got my Disney show. (laughs) Yeah. We all did that stuff. Oh my gosh. And so it's like, we think that there's something we can achieve materialistically that's going to make us happy and make us love ourselves. And it's not, I mean, you look at Demi Lovato, it's so sad. She's really struggling. You look at Selena Gomez and she has anxiety. I think she's currently in a rehab center getting help for her mental health. So we look at these people that have all these followers and have quote unquote achieved the dream, money, fame, status, and they're still struggling and they're still unhappy. And that has to be the reminder to everyone else that there is no answer. This amazing doctor, Varun Sony from the USC, he's the Dean of Religious Life said, happiness is not a place you arrive to. It's a state you cultivate. Mm. And that just really stood with me because no one is going to make me happy no boyfriend, no job, no amount of followers, no whatever it is. And so it's like, can you find that happiness in what you have right now? And if you can do that, 
you're winning. Yeah. Obviously with the name of the show, like I'm super into gratitude. And I think that that just plays a huge role in mental health, because if you're able to recognize the amazing things that are already in your life, instead of focusing on just what you don't have, you'll be so much happier. Like finding joy in the small things is what life is all about. If we wait until we get the promotion or get the top spot or win the lottery or things like that to feel happy, like you're going to feel happy for 5% of your life, you know? Totally. I totally agree with you. Yeah. So I want to hear a little bit more about how being an athlete has played into like body image and self-worth and all of those struggles that we've covered so far. It's definitely been the biggest factor in my journey to self-love and to accepting my body because my body is different than so many girls because I'm lifting heavy weight and I'm working out six days a week, three hours a day. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be more muscular and I'm going to look different. And, you know, there's still stores that I used to go to in high school and the jeans there just will not fit me now. And it's just something that has been my own personal journey. And I try to share that with as many women as I can. But at the end of the day, it's like, when is it enough? When has so many diets been enough? When has cutting yourself down been enough? When has not fitting into this certain dress size been enough that you're just going to say, you know what? Screw this. Mm -hmm. I like the way I look. I don't want to fit society's standard. It doesn't matter if I'm wearing a size 30 jean, which is what I wear. And I also could fit into a size four dress. So it's like same girl, size 30 unite. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but it depends. I'm a size four here. I wear a size 10 dress over there. It just, yeah. it's like, why are we letting these outward labels and people tell us that we can be beautiful and love ourselves. Mm, preach. Yeah. It's just like, when are we done? When are we done hating ourselves? When can we just start liking ourselves and saying, I like the way I look. It's unique to me. It helps me perform. That's one of the biggest things for me is my body helps me perform at a high level. But I don't plan on stopping lifting when volleyball ends. When I was a freshman, and a sophomore, I remember thinking, oh, the minute volleyball ends, I'm never touching a dumbbell again. I'm never going to the weight room. I'm just going to run cardio and eat lettuce and finally be like skinny again. Now I'm at such a point in my life where I literally love the tone I have and I love the muscle I have. And so I don't plan on stopping lifting. I hope I can still be toned and in shape because I've learned to love the body so much. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I posted about on my Instagram the other day was if you're a person who has like muscle or tone, that means that you're someone who uses your body a lot every day. You go to the gym or you play this sport. So the muscle is like a mark of your character, of that determination, of that willpower, of that grind you have. So be proud of it. I used to be so ashamed of you know my big calves or my quads. And now I'm thinking, oh my God, these are a result of the awesome work I put in on the court and in the weight room. And so that has been a perspective changer for me as well. When women come to me saying that they're so wrapped up in the way they look, and by the way, it's so hard to really like see the beauty of life when your whole bandwidth in your brain is taken up by like thoughts about food and your body. Like that is not life. And there's so much life on the other side of that. But when women come to me saying that they're struggling with those things, one of the first things I tell them is to focus more on what your body can do and what your body is able to do versus what it looks like. And that is just like one of the most powerful mindset shifts you can ever make when it comes to your body, like just being grateful for its abilities and the fact that it supports you every single day instead of resenting it for what it does or doesn't look like. Of course, like there is so much more to life 
than what you can't eat for lunch today. Mm -hmm. And once you realize that, you know, it's going to take work. It's not a quick fix. But, you know, I remember always being consumed by like what I was eating and what I wasn't eating and my body. And it, it took over my day. And I was thinking about breakfast, lunch, and dinner the day before and planning it out so that I wouldn't eat the bad foods and whatnot. And, you know, as I started to get better, I really credit this book, Breaking Free from Emotional Eating by Janine Roth. It really helped me become an intuitive eater. And since then, I don't think about it. And it's amazing like how much time you have to think about other things when you're not thinking about calories and food. And yeah. I remember the biggest breakthrough for me was I was someone who always like knew where food was and I knew what I couldn't eat or what I could eat or et cetera. And so one day I was leaving for work and I threw a bar in my bag and I go to work, I do my thing, I come home and then I'm cleaning out my bag and I see the bar. And I was like, oh my God. I had food in my bag and I didn't know. And I like forgot. I forgot about it. I know. I was yeah. literally amazed. I think I called my mom and was like, oh my God, mom, like I totally forgot I had food on me because I used to be the girl that was like, don't eat the bar, don't eat the bar, don't eat the bar. Are you hungry? Don't eat the bar. Fuck, I hate myself. Uh -huh. So it was like this terrible, terrible thing. And so I overcame that and it's been great. And I hope that so many girls who are seeking to live a life free from that battle of food and diets can get there too. Yeah, it is so, so possible as someone that's been in that jail feeling situation and then come out on the other side. Like there's so much life on the other side of that like prison that food and body image issues keep you in. And so I'm so glad we were able to talk about it. I want to ask you one more quick, like actionable thing. So what are your top tactics for overcoming or maybe even it's just getting through a bad body image day? My biggest thing that I think has helped me, and this is a great question, is having this realization of, all right, I'm human. I'm bloated today. I won't be bloated tomorrow. Like, so what? It's just kind of like this, so what? Like, I wake up one day and I maybe feel a little bit bigger. So what? Or I look in the mirror and I don't like something. I'm just like, nope, not going to go there. Moving on. And I move on with my day. So it's like, once again, reminding yourself that it is not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing for me has been like, I'm not going to go there. And so if I look in the mirror and I, the negative voice starts to come, I'm like, nope, I'm not going to go there. And I walk away. And if that means not looking in the mirror before you leave, then don't look in the mirror before you leave until you feel like you're at a place in your life where you can look in the mirror and, you know, not cut yourself down. And so it's kind of finding a way to relentlessly pursue being your biggest fan of yourself and of your body and of your image. And so, you know, maybe if you do look in the mirror and you can't help but cut yourself down, before you turn away, like, can you find two things you like? And can you say that to yourself, maybe out loud? Because when we hear our voices, it's so much different than when we hear it in our heads. Mm -hmm. I speak out loud a lot. Even if I'm on the court, if you watch me play, you can probably see me mumbling to myself because if you're in your head, you can have a thousand thoughts in like a millisecond and they can all be negative. And if you say like one of them out loud, you realize how terrible it is that you're thinking those things. And you're like, oh my gosh, like if I'm on the court and I say, oh my God, the coach probably thinks I suck. And then I say that out loud and I'm like, Victoria, this coach has been writing you into his starting lineup for three months. He does not think you suck. Like, it's just ridiculous that that thought arises, you know? Yeah. And so the same thing with your body. Like, oh, I'm so bloated today. Like, so like you're a human, humans bloat. Like, it's just a normal thing. And I think 
yeah, it's just being aware of that inner dialogue is the biggest thing. Yeah. Do you feel like practicing meditation and mindfulness has helped you a lot in terms of like being able to observe and be aware of your thoughts, but not like buying into them? Definitely. I think meditation has been huge. I'm not going to lie. I'm not like some big meditator and I don't do like just the breathing and like people often think, you know, it means you're you're totally zen and you always talk like this. Yeah. You're really calm. And like you have a Buddha on your mantle. Like, <laughs> you know, that's not how it is. I listen to meditations like of kindness or of gratitude. So, you know, I think the other day a girl was not nice to me and I did a meditation on kindness and I tried to wish her good wishes. And that's really hard when a girl is being mean, like, can you wish them the best? Mm -hmm. And so meditation has kind of taught me to like be aware. So not only be aware of yourself, but aware that if someone else is being mean, they must really have something going on in their life that's causing them to be a negative human being. And that probably has nothing to do with you. Right. And so meditation has been great. I use this app called Stop, Breathe, Think. And it has all different sorts of meditations geared to however you might be feeling. They have like one minute to gratitude, one minute to calm. And depending on how I'm feeling in a moment or if I need to regroup, I'll listen to one of those guided meditations to help me become more aware of myself and people I'm communicating with. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And by the way, for those listening, I will have everything that Victoria's talking about linked in the description box. So it'll be the book she mentioned and the app as well. But let's wrap up the interview, which I'm really sad about. But let's wrap it up with a few rapid fire questions, if that's cool with you. Yeah, I'm so excited. Let's do it. Okay, so favorite store in the mall to shop at? These are like not deep questions. Urban Outfitters. Oh, yes. Love it. Okay. Favorite way to treat yourself that doesn't cost any money? Mm, Tie between painting my nails at home or watching Netflix. Yes. Number one piece of advice for women in their 20s. This is a good one. I'm thinking you don't need anyone else to complete you. If you're looking for a missing piece, look no farther than inside yourself. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Best Thanksgiving food? Mashed potatoes. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm the worst Thanksgiving eater. I hate gravy. I hate cranberries. <laughs> I hate stuffing. I'm just like, give me turkey, ketchup, and mashed potatoes. My parents hate me. <laughs> oh my God. No. Stuffing for life. Stuffing and pies. Like my heart and soul. Yeah. Okay. Last but not least, what is like your all-time favorite quote or saying that you always carry with you? Oh, that's a great one. I'm such a quote person. Like I have mirror messages all over my room and stuff. Oh, here, this is one of my favorite ones. If you go after literally everything you want in life, you're going to lose more times than win, but you're going to win more than most people. Yeah, that's so good. Who's that by? I don't know. I wish I knew. I saw it on an Instagram. So I'm going to have to find who that is so I can credit them. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay, awesome. And where can everyone find you? Because now I'm sure they're as equally in love with you as I was. Where can they find you on the gram? Do you have a website? Tell us where to stalk. Okay, yes. So my Instagram is at Victoria Garrick. And my Twitter is also at Victoria Garrick. So those are my two social media pages. Oh, I also just started a YouTube. So you can follow my YouTube as well. Oh, nice. Welcome to the YouTube fam. I know, right? It's fun. I'm filming a music video today with my team, actually. That's amazing. <laughs> I think my username is vgare4, but I need, definitely need to change that. So just if you go follow my Instagram, I'm sure you'll find my YouTube on there. Okay. But thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, of course. And then last but not least, because this is the Grind and Be Grateful podcast, what is one goal that you're currently grinding for and what is one thing that you are hugely grateful for? I'm currently grinding to cultivate that happiness in my life and not let outside goals or sources or people give that to me. So that's what I'm grinding for. 
I am hugely grateful for my health Mm. that I can walk every day, that I can see, that I can hear. And that's something that we often take for granted. And I'm just super grateful that I have this healthy body that allows me to do so many cool things. Oh, that's so powerful. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for being on the show. I know that our listeners absolutely loved it. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks so much. It was awesome talking to you. You too. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave a short review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of. This show is for you. So your feedback matters. Plus, it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. And until next time, don't forget to grind to be grateful, my friends.